The views and opinions expressed by guests on Connected do not necessarily reflect those of Side Street Studio Arts. Episodes may contain adult language. I'm Jess Rocha, Assistant Director at Side Street Studio Arts, here with Ken Simonson to talk about his practice. Ken, would you like to start by giving us a little introduction about yourself? Uh, sure. Okay. Well, I, like you said, my name's Ken Simonson. I'm, a, I'm an artist uh, residing in Elgin, right here in the downtown at Art Space Lofts. This is where I have my studio. Um, I am a commercial illustrator by trade. I do graphic design work, um, but I'm also an airbrush artist that in the last 10 years kind of got back onto the fine art scene. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much since Side Street kind of opened their doors that kind of gave me the inspiration to do more of what I used to do back in the day. Um, a lot of my work is commercial. Um, so between commercial illustration and, and doing jobs for customers, I, I airbrush motorcycles and guitars and helmets. So yeah, it, it, a lot of my stuff is for other people and I kind of wanted to do for myself again. So. I'm having a lot of fun with it lately. <laughs> um. That's really interesting. Um, in terms of how you started, because I know you talked a little bit about your commercial art. Um, has that been something you've always been interested, or I guess what's your your personal journey with getting started with artwork? What what got you started down that that road? Uh, Probably, well, but my mother's an oil paint artist and my father dabbles in painting as well. Um, and when I was pretty young, my, myself and my sisters, I, I have four sisters and a brother, uh, but I have two sisters that are a year older than I am, they're twins. And at one point when I was probably six or seven, uh, our mother started us uh, and oil paint classes and so we kind of all of us especially my sister Karen but we, we all used to draw at a pretty young age my, my mother worked for a printer and she would bring home pads of paper and so that was kind of like a and they're all different shapes and sizes so we were constantly inventing little comics and things of that nature uh, but it, I really kind of enjoyed, like I, I remember my very first oil paint lesson was uh, painting this color wheel, which I, I still have to this day somewhere. Uh, uh, and yeah, no, I, I just, I, I've always enjoyed it. I, I enjoy probably painting a lot more than say digital illustration because it's very hands-off. Um, I've always, let's see, 
So my mother being an oil paint painter does some wonderful works, but it's, it, it was always rough to me where I always had really good eyesight growing up and you know, I would do crazy amounts of detail where she was just, you don't have to paint every leaf on a tree, just kind of, you know, um, kind of represent with the color and so forth. And, and yet I couldn't get my mind out of that. I, I, I wanted to see all those leaves and all that detail. Um, and, and back then before we had uh, Photoshop and whatnot, the only way to get really clean detail, uh, almost photorealistic look was through an airbrush. And so that kind of got me into airbrushing that just kind of developed my style of, of doing very representational type art as opposed to just suggestive. Um, so yeah, that that put me down a whole different path. Eventually, if, of course, the Photoshop and the computers came on the scene and I kind of had to relearn everything about illustration. Uh, but I've always kind of found my way back to, to the airbrush and now to canvas work. I, I also, uh, I sculpt and cast Halloween masks. So it's always been good to kind of keep up with the airbrush and never let that go as I need to paint my masks. Um, but uh, no, it's, it's, I probably started airbrushing when I was 16 and I've just kind of loved it ever since. Uh, I, I still do traditional painting. I'll break out a brush from time to time, but um, the look I'm usually going for, I'm just very comfortable with the airbrush at this point. So I know I'm rambling and kind of jumping back and forth. But, uh, not, not a problem. Just rambling. reel me in if you gotta. <laughs> Rambling's a-okay. Um, yeah, I mean, your piece in the year nine show um, was a good representation of your airbrush work. And I think the one thing that was really interesting about it is what people took away from it. Like some saw it as this very hum like humorful piece. Some people were very stricken by it. Like uh, I believe there was a few people that that viewed it as like a commentary on meat consumption. Um, so it's just, you have this really interesting way of creating these pieces that have like differing, uh, like meaning behind them and stuff. Is, is that something that you think about as you're making them? Uh, to be honest, um, that, that piece that you're referring to is the, the, the deer. It's actually a reindeer and there's a salt shaker over it. And the spots of the reindeer are kind of the grains of salt coming down. Um, I, I suppose, most of my, my the, the paintings, the series I've, I've been working on for years now, um, it, it it steals a lot from nature. Uh, I I I only, I've, I'm kind of a an addict of patterns, and when I see something, especially in an animal or in nature in general, 
uh, I kind of, uh, I, I don't take it for granted. In other words, I, I kind of forget about what I know about an animal or a plant or what, what have you. Um, and I, it, it just kind of, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but I kind of, <clears throat> in a sense, let my mind wander. And I start seeing other things that I never made that comparison before. Uh, another good example of that is I have a painting that looks like a pitcher of milk spilling down into a puddle and, and, and the splash that's created out of the splashing milk is actually a, a, a pair of antlers from a moose. Because I looked at a picture of a moose one day and, and I went through my process and I just kind of stared at it for a while and suddenly that's what I saw. The antlers just looked like a nice little splash of milk. Um, so, and then there will generally be a punchline type title to a lot of my work. Uh, but I, I don't like the reindeer, for instance, I didn't, I just saw it as something clever and, and funny. I, I mean, half the time I'm, I, I guess I'm just trying to crack myself up if nothing else. Uh, but then after I painted it, I, I saw that. I, I noticed like, well, even during painting, I, I was amazed how close the, uh, the tones of brown, the light browns on the ears back with the, the light and shadow, how it kind of reminded me of a, a, a soft pretzel. And so then the salt on the pretzel, and I'm like, yeah, people might think I am making some sort of, you know, meat eating statement or hunting or something but uh but no i i'm i'm happy that i mean most of them are are in a sense almost comical to the point of absurd but um i, I suppose the the balance is the amount of um time i i spend to get uh a, a very clean not quite photorealistic, but close, <laughs> because after all, it is a it is surreal. So um, once I you know, once I get that look, where yes, this is selling it, people are all going to recognize what I'm trying to show here. Uh, you know that that that's kind of what I'm going for. Um, so uh, again. I'm happy if people take different meanings away from it. Um, it it's, and some of them, I'll, I'll admit, I did have another agenda, but largely, you know, they're, they're just to be enjoyed at face value, I suppose, <laughs> just to kind of get your mind thinking, you know, look at things a different way. Maybe. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's always interesting to see how the artist intended a piece to come across versus how an audience will view a piece and, you know, kind of gives it a couple different lives, which is really, really neat. Right on. Yeah. Um, okay. So one thing too, that's pretty interesting is like you, you mentioned you do these pieces that have like punchlines and can be kind of like more, more fun, a little bit whimsical, kind of surreal, but then you also do a lot of, 
kind of spookier work too. Like <laughs> you're very involved with, um, you know, the different Halloween downtown Elgin type of things and, and all of that. How did you, right yeah. How do you feel about that? How'd you get started with that? Uh, let's see. My older brother, who was seven years older than I am, he got involved in, uh, uh, he, he, he wanted to be a, a, a film major and he was a pretty smart guy. So they moved him around in school quite a bit and he was kind of a troublemaker at the same time, but um, he had a high IQ. And so he, he bounced around from like high school right into college. Uh, but like I said, he, he was always interested in film and special effects and uh, um you know, instead of comic books, our bedroom floor was littered with uh, special effects magazines like Fangora and that sort of thing. Um, so learning about building Halloween stuff, masks and props, that just, that was something he always did. You know, every year he would build a, a ginormous Halloween costume. And, and when I, and I, I, and I mean big, they were like, one was a suit of armor that was probably 11 feet tall. And then we would truck these costumes around literally in the back of trucks because we had large pieces. Two legs would fill up the back of a pickup. And we'd try to find costume contests and, uh, around Halloween. <clears throat> and, you know, win the costume contest and it would be a whole crew that would show up with us and uh and most of the winnings would get spent on the beer tab that night but it was fun nonetheless um so that's kind of got what got me into the halloween stuff i, I love the holiday my, my birthday is actually october 30th so you know every birthday party you had was halloween thing uh, but yeah no i i love sculpting uh, at times, I almost find it easier than uh, painting or drawing in the sense of that I can just make that 3D thing that I'm thinking of, as opposed to trying to create the illusion of a three-dimensional thing on a flat surface. So, um, and then, yeah, just, you know, spooky's fun, creatures are fun, skulls, what have you. Um, so yeah, that's how that happened. And, and Fred Wims, uh, <clears throat> basically you, the art director of uh, Nightmare on Chicago Street, as well as the last two Little Park of Horrors uh, drive-throughs they did in Elgin and Lou of uh, Nightmare. Um, he, I mean, he, he, he calls me up and gives me these crazy challenges, I, I suppose, and last year, my, myself and uh, I collaborated with uh, uh, another artist, Doug Hansen, and we built a giant uh, critter ball. <clears throat> so that was, yeah, it, it's a giant ball made up of these alien faces. And so I sculpted all the faces. Well, I sculpted three and then cast multiple numbers in each one. It took 60 of the 
faces to make the ball and um and doug was responsible for 3d printing and, and uh lighting it up he's a retired electrical engineer so all the eyes lit up and then blinked and it was pretty crazy but um probably my 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 biggest prop <laughs> to, to date <clears throat> so i don't know what i'll be doing to try to outdo myself this year um but you never know <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I, I saw some video of the critter ball and it's just so fascinating to think about how it was put together as well as like, how is this thing operating? And it's just like, <laughs> you know, it, it, it really like pushes some boundaries as to like, it's, it's not just, you know, a normal sitting sculpture. It's an active, like, you know, sort oh, of yeah. living it, art. It did roll up and down a, a hill, which we accomplished by um, steel cables going through a series of pulleys that met all together with a very uh, high-powered um, winch uh, that was powered by a truck all the way sitting up on top of that hill. And, and it was basically Doug and I sitting up on that hill, pressing a button and watching the thing roll up and down. And if it got a little off track, we'd have to go down and kind of babysit it but uh but we were just so happy that after all that work it actually rolled and didn't destroy itself so <laughs> it did end up weighing quite a bit i i, I would estimate 250 maybe 300 pounds um uh i i went through let's see 35 gallons of latex i want to say um so yeah, it, it was an undertaking. I mean, even after you pull uh, a piece out of the cast, you still have to trim it out and paint it. And we ended up pouring a total of 76 altogether um, as 60 were needed for the ball, but we, we would cut the kind of the background out and use those individual guys as critters for up on the hill. So yeah, I like I said, I don't know how we're going to top that. Yeah, Looking forward to whatever Fred comes up with. So. Well, and then that leads into my next question a little bit. So you're talking about making this, you know, gigantic undertaking of a piece that that's not just like, you know, large in scope, but also physically large. Uh, what type of studio practice do you have that you can work on these types of things in a, in a way that works well for you? Uh, well. Um, Honestly, the, the the prep work was all done in my studio. So all the, the sculpting and casting was done here. I, I have enough room and high ceilings at art space that, not to mention concrete floors. So behind me is, you, you could even see some buckets in the corner there left over. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I sculpt. Did, then I did the plaster uh, cast. Um, then you clean out, you know, all, all that was done here. The, the painting and assembly were actually done at, um, at, at the city of Elgin owns a barn that's in an undisclosed location west of Randall. And we, that, that's where a lot of uh, Fred's crew will build these ginormous props for Nightmare on Chicago Street. 
And so Doug and I spent a good month and a half there, you know, showing up and whenever we could and uh, between, you know, spraying these things and getting them all pretty like, and, and then just building the, the structure, which was nothing more than PVC pipe. And um, we, Doug printed out the, it, it was a large geodesic ball, I should explain. Um, a two frequency dodecahedron. And it, you know, so we, we made those triangles, but we realized uh, all the connectors, there's connectors that put, you know, the whole thing together. There's five pieces and six pieces, and that's what gives you this geodesic ball. Um, and after we, got it all screwed together, we realized that the corner connectors weren't going to be strong enough for when we added all the latex and the lens holders. And, and so then we came up with a way to reinforce all the connectors with wood discs. And so yeah, it, it was a whole process, but somehow we pulled it off. And like I said, it didn't destroy itself. But that's, I, I actually, when I'm, Again, if I'm painting a motorcycle or uh, you know doing a large project like that, I can't do that in my studio. I actually have to go to, um, well, I, I've always been in touch with uh, a, a few different body shops in, in the area. And I usually hire uh, uh, an actual painter to clear coat my parts. So if I paint a motorcycle or a helmet or whatever, it all gets masked off and gets sent to a clear coat guy because <clears throat> uh, automotive clear coats are very toxic and you need proper disposal and proper ventilation, the mask and the whole nine yards. Again, I can't do that here, but I, I have use of other spray booths around town. And, and so that's where those things happen. <laughs> But all the airbrushing is done in here as I'm just using water-based paint and literally drops at a time. Uh, if, I, if I do shoot uh, something that's like a little, like say a background on something, then I always use the, uh, uh, the dust masks, the 3M KN95 that everyone's familiar with now. So yeah, I, I, I try to keep breathing into the paint as low as I can. Uh, well, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, those are things you have to account for. When you're working on your own personal projects, how, you know, how often are you in the studio? Do you have like any set days you like to work? You know, what, what type of work schedule do you keep with your art? Uh, I usually, For, for me, I, I'm still doing uh, day work here. Uh, I still do the, you know, the graphic design. I, I do package production lately. Um, but I do that out of my studio remotely. And so it's sort of a nine to five in that respect when the work is available. Uh, when I'm not doing those paid gigs, then it's usually my nights that I, I paint for myself. And I'll usually paint till 
10 or 11 o'clock at night. So, you know, kind of after dinner is my own painting time. And, um, and it, it, yeah, it just depends on, I suppose, you know, the mood you're in, what, what you're going to work on. I'm also currently illustrating a comic book and that, that's been taking a lot longer than I initially thought it would, but, uh, but I'm better than halfway done and I plan on finishing it before the end of the year. So, um, and, and then I get together with a, a number of, uh, uh, like-minded artists on Sundays and it's it's just a group of anywhere from you know five to 20 of us that will meet at someone's house and during the COVID times we would do it like this we would have the, the Zoom art Sunday but um, and it's, it's just a very laid-back group of people and we you know joke around and everybody works on their own project and that's usually where I'm, I'm hatching the, the strange ideas for my paintings. Uh, it, it's, it would be kind of a hassle to drag a compressor and an airbrush and hope, get up to someone's house. So I'll, I'll sit there and I'll kind of browse my phone pictures and, you know, bring up different animals and different views and wait till something pops and, and I'll jot it down in my sketchbook. And I, I literally have probably 35 ideas at present that I'm waiting to paint. And, and, I, and I've kind of gotten on it this year. The, the deer that we talked about earlier, that was one of, let's see, four paintings I've already knocked out this year. And I'm starting my fifth right there. <laughs> Um, which kind of doesn't look like anything yet, but uh, um, but yeah, I, I re realized I, I I only came into Art Space Lofts um, not this last January, but the previous January. I, I moved my studio here, and uh, and I spent a whole year here realizing that I didn't have one painting to my series, so I feel like now I'm kind of trying to make up for that year and, and it wasn't for lack of uh working i, I again the, that critter ball did he did good chunk of the year <laughs> and then i and i did some paintings for some other shows but um yeah i i just really want to get back in my my own stuff and kind of knock out this pile of sketches that like i said are just waiting to get painted so and at the same time, I, I keep adding to it. So I'll go back and do another art Sunday and something absurd will pop into my head. Oh, I got to put that down on paper. And not, not all of them make it into a painting, just ones that, you know, I don't know, that I find clever, I suppose. I like that. It's really interesting. I mean, the fact that you have sort of this backlog of ideas, um, like I'm, I'm the type of person who I sometimes struggle to come up with like one idea or something like that. So, oh, that's really cool. Maybe I should, I should jot more things down, think about, you know, what I want to do. Uh, and, and that sort of leads me into um, 
you know, probably maybe my last question or so, but you know, do you have any, any advice you would give to like other artists, maybe like some younger artists that are getting started trying to figure out their own studio practice? Uh, hmm, hard to say. Um, I, I mean, again, I've always loved the art scene. I, I never initially thought about getting into the fine art side of it. I was always, you know, looking to do illustration. Um, so I didn't, I, I didn't really get into what I consider the more fun part of art as opposed to trying to make a dollar off it. Uh, um, if that's what you're looking to do as, uh, you know, just a way to express yourself, um, I, I, that part I, I approach just pretty much for, for the joy of it. I mean, if it's not a joy to you, then find something else. Uh, you know, it, it can be a lot of hard work and, I've heard people say things like, you know, you've got a thousand bad paintings in you, you know, and maybe there's a thousand good ones too, but you got to get past the, those bad ones to get, you know, don't feel about bad about those paintings. Just know that that's another step in your process. Um, you know, every mistake I've made has is, been is a teacher. So, and, and yes, even starting airbrushing, which is, I, I didn't have anyone to really show me how to do this and there wasn't YouTube. And, you know, I, I remember taking a seminar or two and, uh, but most of it was just, you know, going to the library or buying a book off a shelf. And, um, and then the rest was trial and error. Uh, so yeah, there was plenty of, uh, swearing and, you know, stopping and, <laughs> in the beginning but um but yeah no i i just it's it's something that you know uh I, i've always uh had a, a a passion for um and, and to this day or i'd say the best part of my day is being able to sit back and see what you did you know and i, I i'm sometimes uh still surprised at myself of, you know, like, wow, how'd you pull that off, you know? And, um, so yeah, I mean, for me, that part is just, again, uh, out of you know, love of the act, I suppose. I love that, that's really beautiful. I mean, un and at this point, unless you think that we've missed anything, um, and I'd, I'd say I might start wrapping it up. Right on. Uh, no, I, I I think I covered most of my cases. <laughs> I know, it can be hard to, to, you know, think about things. I'm sure later on you'll be like, oh, man, I should have mentioned, uh, you know. Yeah, this. yeah, no doubt. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'm sure as I'm painting tonight, I'll, uh, oh, yeah, should have told just that. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm. Uh, again, kind of, you know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, if you want to get rich, art's not your scene. Um, it, it's something, like I said, you have to enjoy to do. 
and most of my, my time doing this thing, you, you realize you're also going to spend a lot of time alone. Um, th and that's something that, you know, you, you don't really think about. My, my mother, who I, who I mentioned earlier, uh, she worked for the post office for a lot of years and she was a, a clerk and, and she, you know, was always looking forward to her retirement. And she thought, you know, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to paint every day. I'm going to go into my studio and paint. And she didn't realize that all those years having a, a job that's social, it, it really kind of made her crazy when she found herself alone in her studio, and, you know, and, and she, she was laughing. She's like, I don't know how you do it. You know, all this time that you spend in front of the canvas, you know, and, um, and, and for me, one, like, I always have a, a movie or a song or, or something playing in the background uh, and, and or, or I might even just have the news on or, you know, I mean, it's just helpful if it's not like dead silent. I, I don't work well in dead silent. I, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe the TV helps me remember that there's like more of a world outside of just these four walls kind of thing. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> I like that. Well, well, right. yeah, thank you so much, Ken, for, for talking to me. I know, you know, unfortunately we had it rescheduled a few times, but I'm, I'm really glad we were able to make the time and, and get to know a little bit more about you as an artist. Oh, right on. I'm, I'm you know, glad you had me by and, uh, and uh, no, looking forward to more side street shows and more shows in general and, uh, uh, and you know, looking for, forward to seeing more work from Jess Rocha, so. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Ken, I'm gonna end it now, but once again, thank you so much, and I hope you have a, a great rest of your day. Yes, you too, Jess. You take okay. care. You too, bye. Connected is a Side Street Studio Arts production. Music by Tanner Melvin. Produced by Nick Mataragas. To find out more about Connected and all the great things Side Street Studio Arts offers, please visit sidestreetstudioarts.org.